It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. It's a Sunday, May 22nd, to be exact. And I don't usually record the podcast on the weekends because I've really been striving this year to do very minimal work. It's hard for me on the weekends. <laughs> Not minimal work, period, but on the weekends. And it's really hard for me sometimes because some things just come up. Sometimes it's convenient to do things on the weekend. But there's part of me that feels like it's important to have some sacred time. Although, interestingly enough, today, I found myself thinking about how it's a little bit strange for someone like me, at least, who doesn't have children, who doesn't have a very structured career or job. I don't need to follow a ton of time structure in terms of viewing days as either weekdays or weekends. And yet I still find myself in that mindset a lot, probably because it feels like the rest of the world operates that way. Although I think during the pandemic with so many people working from home, people resigning from jobs that no longer suit them, it also feels like there are a lot of people that are having more fluid relationships with their work. And I was just thinking today, you know, I would feel, and I actually have been already doing this. And by the way, my brain is interesting state today where it's jumping around a lot. So I just want to give a little disclosure that I'll probably be going on a lot of tangents and having broken up statements in between other statements. And that's actually part of what I want to discuss today. But let me try to finish this thought about the weekends. I think for the most part, since I have stopped working a traditional nine to five job, which has been about 12 years now, my last full-time traditional structured job was, I think it ended in February, 2010. And I have had a part-time job, but I think that that ended in 2012. Okay. So it's been about 10 years since I've even had any type of super structured job. I have had clients that encourage a lot of structure. In fact, two of my clients right now are pretty structured. I work Monday through Friday for each of them. I try not to do any work for them on the weekends, but I do have tons of flexibility in the time of day that I do my work. And it's been so great for me, maybe because of my neurodivergence, to just kind of work as needed. So some days I won't do anything until like 10 p.m., 11 p.m., right before I go to bed and then I just rush and get the work done. Now, one of my clients, we have meetings every Tuesday and we record our podcast every Tuesday as well. So that's required more work. And now in this moment, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I could probably do a lot more. And I just realized... (laughs) Oh, I forgot to do something last week. And this is what comes up for me too, is it's like that 
desire to do work on a Sunday, but I have major boundaries because I don't want any of my clients or frankly, most people in my life to think that they can dictate my schedule. So I've really created boundaries in that I don't do work on the weekends or if I do it, I won't tell them that I'm working on the weekends because I don't want them to assume that. It feels sacred for me and my definition of that. But at the same time, I also wonder like, why can't every day of the week be that way? Now, some people may say, well, that's not the way the world works. But I take some issue with that. And that is probably the theme of this episode. As I've been exploring the way that my brain works and doing a fair amount of unmasking, perhaps even starting the journey of unmasking, because I feel like I'm really at this beginning stage of recognizing my neurodivergence, which if you haven't heard me talk about is the result of researching and taking some tests around ADHD and autism mainly. This unmasking process of getting to the core of who I am versus who I've been conditioned to be, there's so much in me that I feel like is coming out suddenly. You know, the example being how my brain today has just like been bouncing around so much. And it's been really nice for that to happen on a Sunday in which it's socially acceptable to do whatever I feel like versus if that were to happen during a weekday, I think I would feel more uncomfortable with jumping around and doing whatever I want, if that makes sense. For today, I've found for the past like four hours or so, my brain is like, how about this? How about this? How about this? Like if you were to look into my brain, it is like all over the place. And I've learned to hide that even from myself because so many people have criticized that way of talking and acting, operating, both personally and professionally. I have felt really self-conscious about it. So I tend to hide it and mask it. And I found myself really wanting to record a podcast episode today, but I was actually nervous, especially that three or four hours ago. It was really intense. I like yearned to record. I felt like all this creative energy coming up and I just wanted to talk. But I was really afraid that a listener like you would hear this and think I sounded crazy And so I decided to pause on that. I've been doing a variety of other random things today. And that feeling, that desire to record kept coming up. So I'm embracing it now, but still with a little bit of this fear of being judged. But here's the thing. I don't want to live my life constraining myself out of fear. And as I've said at least a few times recently on this neurodivergent journey, how it does not serve me to be put in a box. I'm trying to actually break out of the box and just see like, what is my natural expression? It makes me a visual of a rubber band or something or some sort of toy like slime, right? You know how you put something into a container and then when you take it out, it kind of like spills out into a different shape, like slime would could like flatten itself, probably. (laughs) Whereas it's been forced to be in maybe this contained circular or or any type of shape, right? But or even I'm thinking about these old Nintendo toys. I think it was called Gak. There was Gak, not Nintendo, Nickelodeon, right? Wasn't it Nickelodeon that had Gak and then they had this other like foamy thing? 
which was like a little interesting considering that now people are really into slime, but Gak was kind of like the original slime. Gosh, I wish I could remember what that foamy version of it was. Anyways, it was only these like wild shapes. The plastic containers looked like splats. So regardless of the container, something like that's in, if you take it out and just let it be, it probably spreads out and it looks bigger. And I also was thinking of something like a rubber band or something rubbery that you can shape it into something and make it all tight and perfect in shape. But if you just let it go, it like bounces out into a different shape. That's kind of, I feel like the process that I'm going through right now. It's like, what is my shape when I'm not contained? And the more I notice these things, the more I feel kind of excited. Like today, as I was witnessing my brain bounce around, and this is maybe like the ADHD trait that I've never noticed or I've noticed, but subtly I haven't paid attention to because I felt like it was socially unacceptable because people would say things like to me, like, Whitney, you're too much. That I've heard so much in my life. In fact, it even happened right before I started recording. That's probably the the reason I pressed record today in this moment. I was in this Facebook group for Tesla campers, I think. It's a new group I just joined. And I felt like I went through a stage of just kind of like reading other people's posts, commenting a little. And today I decided to post And I thought like, I'm in my zone here. Like these are other people that like to go camping with their Teslas. Like these are my people. And so I put out this post talking about my process of trip planning. And I remember as I was writing it out, I'm like, this is pretty detail oriented. Maybe some people will view this as extreme, but they're going to understand like these are my people. And yet I post it and one person used like the laughing emoji on my post as a reaction. And I instantly felt some either embarrassment or shame of like, uh-oh, I'm too much. And then that person wrote a comment, a one-liner summary of what they do and something like, it's much simpler the way I do it. That's not their exact words. But here I was feeling so vulnerable and embarrassed. I'm like, oh my gosh, people saw the way my brain works and they rejected it. And now I feel really ashamed or embarrassed and I want to hide. And I started to go through some of those emotions, like maybe I should delete this post because I don't want any more people making fun of me. Maybe I should stop posting in this group. And that was such an awful feeling. But I have gone through that version constantly in my life. And this is, I might get emotional about it. I can feel some of the tears coming up. I don't have a lot of shame around crying, but it's eh, whatever. If it comes up, it comes up. Being told so much in my life that I was too much, that what I was doing was too complicated. It was like the word too, T-O-O, has been used to describe me so much. And a lot of people kind of making fun of me. And even though part of me feels proud of who I am, even though I have confidence, even though... I actually like parts, these parts of myself. There's still part of me that gets very triggered and feels ashamed or feels embarrassed and feels like I want to change or hide. Hide is a better word in these cases because I can't actually change this. This is the way my brain is. Maybe medication could change it. Maybe therapy could change it, right? But if my natural form is one way, 
why do I have to try to fit myself into a different container to please other people? That's the big question, right? That's what I find myself asking all the time. And I also find it helpful to just experience myself alone. So today, I've spent the majority of my day alone, although a few hours ago, I was in my Beyond Measure group, which always want to pause and recognize or express, I should say, how much I love that group. And that group actually really ties into one of the avenues I found to embrace sides of myself. If you haven't heard me talk about Beyond Measure, it's a private community I created in mid-2020. So it's actually maybe next month is the two-year anniversary. I have to go see the date that we did our first group call, which is the main feature of Beyond Measure currently. Every week we have a call. Right now we've been using Zoom and everybody has the option of joining and turning on their cameras or leaving their cameras off, turning on their audio, just listening. Most people use audio at least and chat. And we have like themes and exercises and we just kind of meet up. And it's been incredible because my mission with Beyond Measure is to have a safe place outside of social media And outside of whatever other environments that you feel like you can't be your true self, I want to have a place where everybody is welcome to be the full expression of who they are. And I didn't even really fully know that about Beyond Measure. It's evolved over time. Initially, it was like, I just wanted a place that didn't have criticism because I was experiencing a lot of perceived criticism at least, and didn't find social media to feel very safe. But I wanted to connect with certain people that I would meet on social media. And that's been actually the members in Beyond Measure are mostly people I met on Instagram and YouTube. And I always felt a connection with them, but didn't really know them. So over the past two years, I've had the honor of getting to know incredible people. And they just show up on calls or we have a private community where you can post you know, anything you want and people will respond to it. And it's just a big source of joy. And on today's call, I found my brain starting to move into this. Again, like manic is the only word that comes up. I'm not even sure if manic is the right word. Interesting, like how we have definitions in our head that are pretty vague. So mania is a from Wikipedia's definition, a mental and behavioral disorder defined as a state of abnormal elevated arousal effect and energy level. So I guess that's pretty accurate. I mean, it's interesting that it says disorder because this is like a state, not a syndrome, but a state of heightened overall activation with enhanced effective expression. So I guess that's that's pretty accurate. Like I found my brain at the end of the Beyond Measure call today, like getting so aroused and so stimulated. I don't even know why. I don't know if where it came from. Honestly, it's a little unusual for me. But what if I experience that more often and I'm just trying to suppress it a lot? And I remember at the end of the call, like my brain was moving faster than I could talk. So I felt like my speech sometimes comes out a little jarbled. And these are all very common traits of neurodivergence, right? And even though I knew I was in the safe space with Beyond Measure, I'm just used to people judging me. And it was so nice to being afraid of being judged, but know that I'm not being judged simultaneously. And that to me is like one of the greatest 
benefits of Beyond Measure is truly, I feel, I've never felt judged by people in there because that's the whole point of it. We're not there to judge each other. We're there to just accept each other as much as we can. I think it's human nature or conditioning for us to judge one another. But for the most part, I think we can really be mindful of that because if you're aware that you're afraid of being judged, you, I think, also become hyper aware of the fact that other people feel that too. And it's like, hey, we're in this together. None of us want to be judged and none of us are coming here to be judged. We all just want to be accepted. So that's beyond measure. If you want to join, the door is always open for you. I'm actually planning to move into a paid version of it for the first time in the two years. But considering having elements of Beyond Measure be free and the more in-depth participatory elements of it be paid, but uh, there'll be a free trial at the very least for everybody. So no matter when you're listening to this, you should be able to experience it for free and decide how much you want to get involved if it appeals to you. So anyways, witnessing my brain start to like go in those states and like just practice allowing it was something I tried today. And also really tuning into how I want to move forward, like being present to what serves me and what doesn't. Last week was really interesting. It was the week after I returned from my two-week road trip and I found myself feeling so tired which was very frustrating. I don't like that feeling. And I wasn't able to accomplish as much as I wanted. I also kind of overextended myself more than in hindsight. I Well, I don't like to word, use the word should, but it would have been better for me to have less on my schedule. So this week, I'm trying to be very, very mindful of what I add to it. Luckily, tomorrow, Monday, I really don't have anything. In fact, one thing I can take, I'm tempted to take off my schedule. I have a bunch of like things that I would ideally like to do. I'm someone also who thrives with a to-do list and a calendar, but I also at times cannot stand looking at a lot of things at once. Like right now I'm looking at my digital calendar and it just feels like There are sections that I wish weren't there, but if I delete them, then I get out of order. So I keep them on there. And I don't know if you can relate to this, but my brain like knows when I'm like overstimulated. So I have to try to find this balance between organization and overstimulation. And that's an interesting thing too. I feel like it's important for me to share these experiences because A, I recognize that because I'm neurodivergent, most people won't be able to relate. Just like in that Facebook group, you know, I almost wanted to write in there, hey, just so you know, I'm neurodivergent. (laughs) And that's why I do these things. Like I'm starting to desire sharing that with people because I hope that people will, will keep that context in mind and maybe judge me less. Granted, not everybody understands what it means to be neurodivergent. And this is part of why I'd like to have an official evaluation, almost as if I can like proudly wear a certified ADHD or certified autism, like something. Like that's the only reason I want to be fully evaluated. But then part of me is thinking I could technically use those terms publicly more often in order to convey these things, in order to ask for accommodations. 
But then part of me is afraid that I'll be, that I'll actually get in my way more than help me, if that makes sense. So it's tricky. I just watched the new season of Love on the Spectrum on Netflix. And this time it was featuring people in the United States in the past. If you haven't seen this show, it was, I think, filmed in the UK. And it doesn't really matter where they're located because I'm super fascinated. It mostly features autistic people, although they have often featured people with Down syndrome. I'm not sure if that is considered on the spectrum, to be honest. I'm pretty ignorant of that. But they don't really seem to highlight ADHD that much. It just seems to be about autism. And this season, from my memory, is the first time there were a few people that were, well, on a different part of the spectrum, not quite as extreme in certain traits. And it was really refreshing to see because now that I know I'm on the spectrum, there are times where I'm afraid to tell people that because I don't exhibit some more extreme. I don't even know if I want to use the word extreme. I mean, I'm trying to be mindful of my words. But like one thing, for example, in autism is trouble making eye contact, which I don't have. It doesn't manifest in the way that it seems to for other people that can't easily make eye contact. I actually enjoy making eye contact. Although I have noticed there are times where I don't enjoy it and I've forced myself to make eye contact even when it's uncomfortable. And I actually will look like I'm making eye contact, but technically my brain is in a different space. (laughs) I'm doing it right now with myself. So with my video setup, I have my webcam up on top of my computer and I can see like myself displayed underneath because there's a video component that I eventually post on YouTube. And I'm looking at the webcam, but it my vision is like almost blurred or something. And I, I find myself staring, like it's really hard to describe. And I'm curious, like how many other people do this? Like in my brain, I think, oh, everybody must do this. But now that I know I'm neurodivergent, I'm like, well, this could be like part of my neurodivergence. And I do this a lot when I'm having conversations with people, maybe as like a coping mechanism where I'm, they think I'm looking at them, but I'm like looking through them or almost like using my periphery, peripheral view and looking beyond them or outside of them. But it's like, convincing them that I'm looking at them. (laughs) I know that a lot of people do things like, I was just talking to someone yesterday who has ADHD and he said that he has a tendency to blank stare at people and not be processing anything that they're saying. It looks like he's kind of like what I'm describing, I guess. Um, So that it's fascinating because I just wonder how many other people do these things that I just assumed was, quote, normal. But the more that I talk about it, the more I'm like, I don't know. I can't assume that it's normal. And that's part of this point, too, is not making assumptions. I am so grateful to have learned so much about neurodivergence within myself and others because, and similar to the show Love on the Spectrum, it just shows you that some people operate vastly differently than you. And one thing I've heard said a few times since I've been on this journey is the possibility that everybody's on the spectrum. And part of me believes that, but then part of me is afraid that that diminishes those that are on a very specific part of the spectrum, if this makes sense. 
Because even though at times it's hard when you feel different than others or different the majority at least, other times it feels nice to at least to put yourself in some sort of category. And I think a lot of us relate to that. For so long, I would call myself introverted, right? And now I don't even know if that applies to me or to others. Like, is what I defined as introversion actually just being on the spectrum or being neurodivergent, right? Like, for example, I enjoy being around other people, but I have trouble socializing and I get really drained. And for so long, you know, the definition of an introvert is typically that you are drained by social environments and you need to step away and be by yourself to recharge. So that's what I thought was going on with me. But when I started learning about neurodivergence, autism and ADHD specifically, I'm wondering, actually, am I exhausted because I'm masking so much? And that is a good opportunity for me to talk about socializing on this last trip because I went to a conference and I was around a ton of people. I was with my sister and friends, multiple friends. I was also around various strangers. I'm trying to think. At the conference, it was a little tricky because I stayed at an Airbnb that was like five minutes away, but just far by car, not by foot. And it was just far enough that it felt like I didn't want to go there until the end of the day. Like I wasn't going to go to the Airbnb and return back to the event. That was too draining for me. So I didn't really feel like I could go away to a hotel room or something if I had been staying at the property where the event was held. Ideally, that's what I would do in the future because then I could kind of pulse in and out of the event and not always feel like I had to be around people. And I noticed that I was really craving that at times because being around all those strangers and trying to absorb the benefits of that experience was intense for me. Now, I also noticed I thrive when I feel like I have a job of some sort. (laughs) So I did end up making that happen, A, because one of my clients was at the event. And so there were moments where I felt like I was doing work with him. And I also spoke twice, technically, once on one day and once on the third day of the event. And the second day was where I found myself struggling because I didn't have as much of a defined job. I felt like I was just floating around and enjoying the day or making the most out of the day. And that was the day I ended up actually leaving early because I started to fizzle out without feeling like I had a purpose. And that's something I've really noticed about myself in general. When I don't feel like there's an end goal or a purpose to something I'm doing, I lose interest really quickly. Same thing with deadlines. Not only do I want a deadline, but I generally do not get most things done until the very last minute. And that's something I've really disliked about myself, but I'm recognizing that I don't know if I can change that. I used to try to change these things about myself, but now I'm thinking, what if that's just the way my brain works? And can that be okay? Also, what definition of okay? What if okay is always relative to us? I think the advantage of getting older is having enough experiences to recognize that most things are made up. Most rules, structure, all of that is made up 
oftentimes to benefit somebody else. And what if, for those that have the ability to do this, if you have the privilege, can you just go about life doing things that make you feel good and that feel okay to you? Now, it's tricky, right? Because there are certainly people who have extreme beliefs and whose brains or conditioning operate in this way that harms others, right? So that's perhaps why in our society, we work best with structures and rules and laws so that if somebody goes far enough outside of the mold, if they color too far outside the lines, they will get in trouble for it. I think it's very likely that those rules and laws were designed to protect us in our society. But I also believe that some of our rules and laws were created to benefit other people and to suppress people. And that's where it becomes really tricky. We need to have a lot of knowledge and awareness about why things are set up. And I have a natural desire to figure out why. That also gives me insight into other people who struggle with complexity. I think for the most part, I operate I thrive, perhaps, in complexity. My brain can process a ton of information. I don't know if that in itself is like a neurodivergent thing, but like I really enjoy taking in a ton and I'm thinking about a lot of things all the time and my brain like goes in all these different directions. But where it's hard for me is like sitting down to focus and like take all that information process it and wrap it up in a nice bow. That's really hard for me. And that's something I've had a lot of shame around, right? But input why? So I guess like I struggle with output, but input, I do not struggle at all. Like I can just love input. (laughs) I love learning and I love thinking about things and that feels really great. So maybe other people are a bit more the opposite where like they're all focused on the output, on the results. And that's kind of interesting realization in this moment for me. It's like, okay, maybe I'm more of a process person. I like processing. I like the experience of doing things, but I don't really thrive in the outcome. And yet it feels like I've been encouraged to be very outcome oriented. That's fascinating, actually. When I did a, when I got really into the personality tests that give you like, the four letters, introverted or extroverted. What is that called? I can't even remember. But there's like 16 different personality types. When I did that, I remember the one, whatever I resulted with, which is like probably INFP, maybe, or IN, there's a J, I don't know. I couldn't even tell you and I don't even, I don't put myself into that category anymore. But I do remember the one I most closely aligned with said that, very thing about my personality, which is like having trouble focusing and having trouble like getting things done, like finalizing things. And now I'm just wondering, what if my whole life I felt all the shame for not being able to finalize things? Because that is what we're encouraged to do. And maybe that's why I'm an 11th hour worker, that I don't do things to the last minute because I don't enjoy it. I don't enjoy finishing things. And what if that's okay? Honestly, in this moment, it's really hard for me to figure out a reason why you should just be complete with things. 
You know, my brain is thinking of a bunch of different examples. Like when I've worked with clients, I felt like before I was able to feel confident in who I am and the way that my brain works, I was always trying to please employers, right? As most of us do, or please teachers at school or please my parents. And it seemed like everybody just wanted things done a certain way. And my coping mechanism was like, let me see how I can please them. Let me see how they want things done. Let me see what they seem to like. And I'm going to do things that way because pleasing them will give me pleasure, right? But now I'm recognizing that a lot of times pleasing other people does not give me pleasure. I just thought it did, right? Like, But it wasn't lasting pleasure. I think that's it. Because a lot of the times it felt like I had to change who I was in order to please others. And in the long run, that's exhausting and not even possible. Great example is my body. I have struggled a lot with my feelings about my body size and shape. And once I learned about intuitive eating, I recognized that I really enjoy eating certain foods and that's okay versus in the past. I would feel all of these negative emotions around food because I was conditioned to see certain foods as good or bad, foods that would make me look a certain way, foods that would maybe make my health a certain way, like all of these structures around food. And so I was carrying around so much shame about what I ate and so much shame about the way my body looked. And I think during the pandemic, I and many other people have expressed this too, just started to relax more about that because I wasn't around as many people and and events had changed and were on pause for the most part. So I, like many people, started to look different. My body changed and evolved into different ways. And I also found that over time, my body kind of like hit a certain average. So right now, where I'm at physically is about my quote, like average natural state. This is where I'm at, where I'm doing a moderate amount of exercise. I'm eating intuitively and drinking a lot of water and getting a good amount of rest. I'm checking off the boxes. Now that also includes me eating the sweets that I want and eating the carbohydrates that I want. Granted, as I've said before, I have a lot of digestive issues which by the way, some people think is tied to emotional trauma. It's pretty fascinating and sad. (laughs) Like, What if all my digestive issues are based on traumatic emotional experiences I've had throughout my life or passed down to me through my mom and my grandma? Like, That's really disturbing. And another reason to find joy and pleasure in my life beyond what society has tried to condition me to be. But my point in that saying that sometimes when I eat intuitively, my stomach doesn't feel very good. Great example today, I ate an entire head of cauliflower, (laughs) which I love cauliflower. And to me, it's a pretty neutral food. I seasoned it with things, air fried it, and that was my lunch. Felt great about that choice emotionally, but my stomach is not so happy about it. You know, it's interesting. Like I'm very sensitive to foods and I enjoy noticing my sensitivity in some ways, but it can also feel really frustrating and confusing. And then in addition to the short-term impacts that certain foods have on my energy and on my gut, then there's 
the impacts on how my body looks, right? But I'm trying to find confidence in how my body looks and recognizing that the way I am right now is pretty much my average natural shape that I don't feel fully confident in in the context of other people. I'm trying to find more self-love and acceptance for it, even though it doesn't fit into a mold that I think I'm supposed to fit in, if that makes sense, right? Like ideally my stomach would be a little bit flatter and my face would be a little thinner and my arm, you know, like I could go on and on about like all these little adjustments that I would make. And I can look back on old pictures of myself when I thought that I looked better, but why? Like if that is a state in which it takes so much work and time to get my body to look that way, if I don't enjoy that work in that time, then it's makes no sense for me. And what if it's just been a big societal pressure that doesn't really serve a purpose for us? You know, like if I got to the end of my life and someone was like, hey, you know, all that time you spent trying to fit your body into a mold, there was no point to that. Like truly, I can look back on my body throughout my life. And in hindsight, what was the point of looking certain ways? What was the long term? I don't know if there is one. In fact, a lot of the benefits, the quote unquote benefits that I had for looking a certain way, they're not around anymore, except maybe in photos of me where, or videos, they're archived, you know, those are just memories versus like if I had kept myself in that mold of looking a certain way for the, you know, many, many years, maybe certain career things would have happened, but like, do I really want any of those things? And even like romantically, right? There's a lot of societal pressure to look a certain way to get a partner, which is just absolutely ridiculous. Even these ideas that we have to, what's the term? Like the opposite of letting ourselves go, you know? Like that phrase people love to say, like, oh, she let herself go or he let himself go once they're in a relationship. Like, oh, once somebody is married and has children, they let themselves go. Who cares? Who? Why would you even say that to somebody? That's so ridiculous. If you're in a happy relationship or if you're happily single, if you're a happy parent, why do you need to maintain those molds? Honestly. And looking back on my life, I've had plenty of romance regardless of my body size. My weight has also fluctuated in relationships and that's never caused the relationship to end. Although I I did have at least one boyfriend in the past who seemed a little unhappy that my body grew in size during the course of our relationship. (laughs) And you know what? I can't even fault him for that because he probably is in some mentality of thinking that smaller women are more attractive to him. And how can you blame it? Like all, I mean, all different types of people are conditioned to believe these things about what is attractive. And if something doesn't fit into that mold, they might think that they don't want it. So I guess I don't feel disappointed or yeah, I guess disappointed is the right word. I think it all just keeps coming back around to what brings me me joy and what works for me and how can I shape my life to work that way. And what I find helpful right now is first finding the clarity and the confidence 
about who I really am. And I'm still on a journey. I may always be. I don't, maybe our whole lives are about discovering things about ourselves. And maybe that's like the greatest gift in life that we constantly learn new things about ourselves. I feel like I've said this before in an episode, but it's pretty cool, right? Like our society somehow convinces us that there's outcomes and end goals and goals, period. And, you know, it's like a lot of these finite endpoints. But I don't believe anything in life is really that finite. So why do we have so much structure around that? By the way, on that note, one thing I often think about is the amount of things I've done in my career that felt like they were going to be really big and beneficial. But I've done enough, especially in like the social media, the video world, the content world. I've done enough quote, opportunities that have led to very little, like the outcome is minimal. Maybe they're one paycheck. Maybe they're a good relationship that's temporary. But most things I've done have not felt that good at the end. And they've dissolved very quickly because they've been transactional. So I'm coming to this point thinking, if I'm not really going to enjoy the journey of doing something, it's not worth it because the outcome is fleeting. And I should just kind of assume things are transactional, which might sound a little cynical, but like maybe it just keeps my eyes open to transactional relationships. A lot of people are very good enticing you like, hey, if you do this, you'll get this. Or if you do this, maybe it'll lead to that. The amount of times I've heard phrases like that in my career is crazy. When at the end of the day, I'm like, Nope, I'm not going to burn myself out for that. I'm not going to spend all my time and energy doing something. I'm not going to rush to meet your deadline. I would so much rather configure my life so that I can just enjoy the ride and actually maybe not even focus that much on deadlines. As much as I enjoy them, most deadlines do not serve me. Most deadlines do not feel good. I have to ponder that statement a little bit more (laughs) because it's like, it sounds conflicting that. You can simultaneously thrive with deadlines, but detest them and avoid them. Like, is the current structure of things possible without deadlines and rules and structure? I don't know. I guess this is this is me sharing a lot of things off the top of my head and all the different places my brain has gone today. I'd also just love to build up the confidence to fully express myself while knowing that some people are going to feel opposed to it. Some people are going to be turned off by it. Some people are going to make fun of it. That's been a huge practice during my career. And speaking of outcomes, I've also learned that feelings are very fluid. And instead of trying to become a person who isn't sensitive and hurt by rejection, I've allowed myself to feel the pain of not fitting in. And I feel the pain of people disagreeing with me and the pain of people not liking me versus like so many people saying things like you just need to develop a thick skin or, you know, forget it or don't let it bother you or whatever else little sayings that people like to have. Part of embracing myself, as I think I've said before, is just saying, no, that actually hurts and it's okay for things to hurt. It's not up to other people to determine what should hurt and what shouldn't. And it's also not fair for people to say things like you're to this or that. 
So many of us feel like we're not enough. And sometimes people tell us we're too much and not enough at the same time. Like they're kind of the same thing, (laughs) oddly enough. You're too this or you're not that kind of gives me the same feeling either way. So what I would like is to notice the pain that I feel when I hear those statements, feel that pain, but not let it get in the way of me expressing myself. And I hope the same for you too, if you can relate. I think everybody can. Even if you don't identify as neurodivergent, I imagine so much of what I've shared today resonates with you on some level or someone else you know, and I'd be very curious to hear about that. So as usual, if you would like to chat about it publicly or privately, I'd love to hear from you. Beyond Measure is quickly becoming my favorite place to correspond with people. So if you're interested, you can come in there, hang out with me and other people. It is on my website, WhitneyLauritson.com. I will link to that in the show notes here if you want to go into the group and explore it. I'm still working on the structure and the onboarding process. That's That's been a little bit complex for me. But if you're struggling with understanding how Beyond Measure works, I'd also love an email from you or a direct message. On Instagram, some of the Beyond Measure members and I have like a private chat. So we use that too to chat, to like share things with each other. That's relatively new and been nice because I've connected with so many people on Instagram. And and that's really my favorite part of social platforms. Aside from TikTok, TikTok is my current way of consuming content. I don't really correspond with people there per se, but on Instagram and Facebook, they're awesome for sending direct messages and being part of groups. So if you're on Instagram, send me a direct message. You can do it to at WitLauritson or Wellevator, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R. That is linked in the show notes for this episode at Wellevator.com. And Facebook, I don't like the DMs. I don't like the messenger that much. I casually use it, but I feel like there's something about the structure of Facebook Messenger that I really don't like. So wouldn't recommend contacting me that way unless it's a last resort. Email is probably second to Instagram DMs. And oh, that just reminds me. I'm oftentimes slow to respond. And as I'm saying this, I remember there is a message from someone else who's also neurodivergent that I never replied to. So I'm asking for understanding, not forgiveness. I'm asking for your understanding. I really struggle with responding to emails and messages. So as much as I love to receive them, I can get into modes where I my brain cannot process them. Like I can read them. That, it's like the input-output thing for me, right? So I can take in your input, but giving output, very challenging. So <laughs> I would say for a quicker response, Beyond Measure is really the most ideal place because if every week there's an opportunity to connect verbally and through video, and if that's not your thing, I feel like I can organize responses and things. There's a private messenger in Beyond Measure and there's public postings. So if I don't respond quickly to something, other people will in the meantime while I gather my thoughts together. So just saying that that is a great way to connect. And I would actually love to get to know you more. That's the the ideal. I've never envisioned Beyond 
measure as platform for profit. Although, as I mentioned, I plan to charge something because there are costs involved for running it with the software that I use. So that's why I'm finally going to pull the trigger and have some membership dues. But I also think it's incredibly important for me to be transparent that it's not something that I created to make money off of you. In fact, I'm very, very mindful of how I monetize these days because I never want anyone to feel like what I'm doing is for profit in like negative sense, if that makes sense. I spent so much of my career trying to do things to make money. Don't think there's anything wrong with making money whatsoever. But over time, a lot of social media and digital platforms became like they were primarily about money versus my ideal is making things primarily about connection. So that's why I do this podcast. That's why I run Beyond Measure. That drives most of the work that I do. And then I save a lot of my monetization for clients who can afford to pay me. So that has worked out a lot better than trying to get, you know, the average person to pay for things that maybe they shouldn't be spending their money on. Or, oh, let's take the word shit out of that. There are many things that we can prioritize financially. And I don't know why I'm going on this whole tangent, but just throwing that out there because I never want Beyond Measure to feel like a money grab or whatever. So it's truly there as a way to get to know you and connect you with other people. And like I said, create that safe space where you can brain dump and and uh, just feel like the full expression of who you are. Thank you for listening to this episode and all of the things that came out of my mouth today. I'm going to go lay in bed and recover from all the energy it took to record this. I'm going to turn on TikTok and zone out. So (laughs) whatever you do after this, I'm wishing you the best. I'll be back again on Friday with another guest episode. And until then, wishing you all the very best with your life and your own journey. Bye. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.